For tuning into the 260th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Also, everybody tuning in via Elevation Sports. going to have a great podcast for all you guys today. Going to have Alan Saunders on. He covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for the Steelers now. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always. Got to give a little love, uh to Buffalo, me and Alan, we have a great uh, conversation, uh, great talk, interview, we dive into the Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben, where he ranks all time in the pantheon of quarterbacks with the Rodgers, the Bradys, the Mannings, uh, just how the NFL's evolved, we dive into that, we talk about Juju, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, how they kind of ran out of gas late in the season, just the AFC North quarterbacks. Uh, great conversation with Alan. Again, I want to thank him for coming on the podcast. Uh, things are going to be a little different now that the NFL season is over. Uh, I'm still not completely sure how I want to do the podcast at the moment. <laughs> uh, but we are working on that and we will get a fully a schedule finalized, right? Because it's been Monday's Kenny Sim for NFL recaps. Friday's Ben Karen and Wednesday's have been a special guest. So Monday today for this podcast, it's going to be a special guest. Wednesday, just so all you guys know, we will have Scotty Johnson on, and we will be talking about NBA All-Stars, giving our NBA All-Star picks. So that will be on the agenda for next podcast if you guys are NBA fans. And Friday, I think, will probably be NFL, maybe some NBA as well. Now, I want to stop you guys, as I usually do at this point, and say, thank you if this is your first time listening to the podcast. What I'm going to need you to do is follow and subscribe right now. Also... What I'm going to tell you to do is share this podcast with your friends and family. Post it in your Facebook groups. Post it on your Reddit, on your Reddit message boards, your email blasts that work, your group uh, text chains. Post it. Share it with family, friends, coworkers, acquaintances alike. Uh, as we're getting this podcast out there, if you have friends and family who love content about the college football uh NBA and NFL, this is the place for them. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane, where I post clips from this very podcast right here, five to 10 minute clips. And I upload those up to my YouTube channel every day. Also, I do my syndicate podcast outside the shop on there every day as well. Subscribe to my Twitter, uh, excuse me, follow my Twitter, I should say, at nighttrain underscore lane. I'll say it one more time, at nighttrain underscore lane. And for everybody who uses iTunes and Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. You know what I always say, right? If you don't like my podcast, then take a page from what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. So without ado, kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Alan Saunders on the show. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back 
back with Barbershop Sports talking to a very special guest with us today, Alan Saunders. He writes for the Steelers now. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. So first, I, I want to talk to you about the So they start off, what did they start off, like 11-0? 11-0, correct? Yeah, so they start off eleven and zero. Could you have foreseen that after at the height of that eleven and zero, that their season would they they end up going on a stretch where they lose a bunch of these games, then it end up culminating with a playoff loss to the Browns. Could you have foreseen that when this team is at eleven and zero at that point? I knew probably in their last two wins in that uh, winning streak that they had some pretty serious problems. And, you know, they played the, it was a, a weird, you know, the, there was a bunch of COVID issues with the Ravens, right? And they played a game against, like, the Ravens' whole third string on a Wednesday afternoon. And they just looked awful. And they won the game, which made them 11-0. But I think, I don't know how anyone watched that game could have thought that was a, a team that was going far into the postseason. Um, they just looked terrible. And so, yeah, I mean, it is weird to say that uh, you could see this coming, but you definitely could see it coming. Now, I think, you know, it uh, comes with a caveat is, like, they could have righted the ship, but they never did. And, and it was clear they had big problems, um, even during that winning streak, that if they didn't get rectified, we're going to come back to haunt them later in the season. And that's exactly what happened. Now, they ended up, their bye week ended up getting switched around because I think because of the Titans or it was like some COVID stuff to where their bye week ended up not being where it was supposed to. And a lot of people kind of talked about that, how it kind of made them running on fumes at the end of the year. Uh, and we've seen like right Tampa Bay, who just won the Super Bowl, uh, their whole year changed after their bye. Uh, I think they lost the Kansas City Chiefs and then they don't lose a game and they end up winning the Super Bowl. How important... Or, or detrimental, do you think, not having that buy late in the season was for the Steelers? I think it hurt them a lot. I think, you know, they, they did end up having a buy, but it was only like three or four days off. And it came in week four uh, because the Titans had to postpone that game. And then uh, it ended up where they play November 22nd, December 2nd, December 7th. You know, three, uh, you know, just like, a very screwed up schedule where they went like a whole month without having, um, you know, a regular routine as far as like a Sunday to Sunday game with a normal week in between. And I think the combination of going that long without having a bye week and also that really mixed up schedule, I mean, I think that's pretty clearly why they lose the game on, you know, in, in week 13 against Washington, which is a game they should have won. And, you know, like the game at Buffalo, look, the Bills are a good team. They, they were in that game. I don't know how much it ends up mattering at the end of the day, but I think pretty clearly, at the very least, you can say they certainly lost that Washington game because of how mixed up their schedule had been to that point, not getting a break, playing two games in five days. Um, you know, the Hey, look, I mean, it's it's the way it is. It's not like the league was out to get them. It's just what I, and it, it was. It was all their opponents. They didn't even have anything to do with it. Um, but uh, I, I certainly think that impacted the team as far as whether or not they would have gone farther into the postseason. That had that bye where it was scheduled. I believe it was scheduled in week eight. I, I don't know. They still had issues. Their offensive line was still very thin, and and they got. 
you know, the team got beat up as the season went on. They were missing, by the end of the year, they were missing Bud Dupree. They are missing Devin Bush. Um, you know, and then Ben Roethlisberger had a really bad game uh, in the playoffs against the Browns, which can happen. I don't think he was all that good all year, but he certainly didn't have five turnovers in the first half in any of those games like he did in that one. How shocked were you that the Browns ended up blowing out the Steelers the way they did? Because in that game, it started out, it was 28-0 in the first quarter, right? 28? Yeah. How shocked were you? I mean, Be- I, like the Browns are, are, I think it was more shocked at just how poorly the Steelers played. Like, if you give any NFL team five turnovers and a half, that's what they're going to do. Like, all of them, even the bad ones. Like, if you just give them the ball over and over again, they'll score. Um, so I wasn't really surprised that the Browns were able to take advantage of it as, as I was at just how poorly the Steelers executed, especially in that first quarter, uh, where they turned the ball over, I think, on half their possessions. Um, it was it was uh, unreal. Uh, yeah, I, there's almost nothing else to say about it. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to imagine an offense playing worse than the Steelers' offense did in the first quarter against the Browns. And I think the really interesting about about it, too, is the Steelers, they play, and I know, you know, right, the season evolves, but when they first played the Browns, they blew out, they blew out the Browns. Uh, they, they stomped them. And, and then it goes to, you know, the final game of the year. The Browns need to win that to get in. Obviously, the Steelers, uh, TJ Watt didn't play, Ben Roethlisberger didn't play. They kind of waved the, the, the white flag right there. But, uh, you know, it, it was close. It was competitive. And then... The next week, they just get blown out. So just kind of talk about, like, those are all just so vast differences. We're talking about one team blows the other one out. One team plays their backups, and they nearly beat that team. They nearly beat that team, and then they're in the postseason, and then the other team's missing their coach, and then they just get blown out. Just talk about the variance. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at that Week 17 game, something Cleveland for that, and, you know, I, I knew that the Browns, would be better than that in the playoffs because they were getting some guys back. Yeah, it was another game where, where Cleveland didn't, you know, they were missing a lot of guys with, with COVID issues. But I, I, I didn't see that coming. You know, I, I expected that to be a one-possession game. You know, it looked like they were going to be close, you know, closely matched. And, you know, I'll be honest, like, yeah, the Steelers didn't play a lot of guys in that game. But, like, ben, like Mason Rudolph was fine. You know, that. They probably were impacted by not having T.J. Watt in there, but really, like I, I don't think the Steelers were hurting for those guys that didn't play in that Week 17 game. They, they just got beat. And I'll be honest, if uh, they had just gotten the performance that they got out of Mason Rudolph in Week 17 out of Ben Roethlisberger in the playoffs, it's a whole different story. They probably win the game if he just doesn't turn the ball over five times. And so, I think that's. Really, the, the jarring thing is that they sat some guys in that Week 17 game, and then they didn't play any better when they had the bet. Do you think Ben not playing contributed at all to his really rusty performance? Because we haven't seen him be that bad. Do you, do you, like, like, what do you attribute that to? Do you think it's just more so you know he's an older quarterback, or do you think maybe he should have played that game so then he's just kind of more in a rhythm coming into the, you know, the next game? I don't know. I don't think you can say that they were they were hurt by not having a bye, and then on the other hand, say that he should have played that game. Like I, I don't think you can it, look. Did it impact him negatively? Sure, I think so. But I also don't think 
it would have been smart to put your 38-year-old quarterback on a surgically repaired elbow out there for one play more than he has to be. Like That was the move the Steelers had to make. Uh, it probably contributed to his poor performance against the Browns, but if he got hurt in Week 17, you know, I don't know, is that team going anywhere? Probably not. So uh, what they really just needed was to get – through the first quarter and, and get him back into a rhythm that he was clearly going to be a little slow to come to that. And they, they couldn't, they couldn't do that. They couldn't even get uh, out of the first quarter, just punting the ball. Uh, and that probably would have been good enough to keep him in the game and, and make it pretty close. And you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger. He's 38 now. Uh, I believe he's coming, he's coming back for another year. What do you think the Steelers should do with the quarterback position? Because I think there's no way after that season ends that, that as an evaluator you can look at it and be like, okay, uh, we don't need any contingency plans for quarterbacks. So what, what do you think the Steelers are going to be looking at doing in the offseason in terms of their quarterback and Ben's situation? I mean, they have so many needs. And I, I do think Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back. He said that he doesn't care about the money. He wants to come back. And the money is really the only reason that they won't have him back because he's probably the best option they have um you know i I honestly think if if you know he doesn't come back for whatever reason or if he gets hurt or isn't able to play they're probably just go with mason rudolph i think he's at least shown that look he's not going to be a world beater but he's not going to hurt you badly either if he's in there um you know he's not like Gonna, he's not gonna do what Roethlisberger did in the playoff game and turn the ball over five times. You know, he's he's gonna man, he's not gonna throw for 500 yards either, like Roethlisberger also did in that game. But you know, I, I think they trust him now to the point they're they don't I, don't. I don't think they feel like quarterback is an emergency this offseason. It will be for 2022. But look, I mean, they have huge holes. They're losing uh, left tackle Alejandro Villanueva. They're losing. Probably left guard Matt Filer. They're losing tight end Vance McDonald retired. Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner are going to go to free agency. Um, both inside corners are going to go to free agency. Most tackle Tyson Alulu is going to free agency. And they're $35 million over the salary cap, so they're going to have to look at cutting some guys like Marquise Pouncey or Joe Hayden or Vince Williams, guys that have been playing big roles on this team for five, six years. So, I mean, the fact that you've got not just one guy, but two guys that you feel at least okay about playing, to me, moves quarterback way down the list as far as priorities. I mean, if they move on from Pouncey, they absolutely need to get a center. They probably need to get a tackle and a guard. And they need a running back, um, you know, and they need some cornerbacks. And there's only so many draft picks. I have a hard time seeing them. Uh, they've been talked about with like a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask sitting where they are at, at 24 in the first round, but I, I have a really hard time seeing that being being the move they make. Do you think Juju and James Conner will both come back? No, I don't think there's any chance Juju comes back, and I'm pretty doubtful that James Conner comes back. So why don't you think Juju will come back? Well, it's the same sort of reasoning at quarterback, right? Like, they, they're they so far over the cap. They have so many needs. And Juju's, he's not going to give them a, a discount. He's going to want what he wants, and he's going to earn probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $15 million a year. 
and that's just a luxury they can't afford. I mean, they have other good wide receivers. They like Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool had a very good rookie season. James Washington is certainly an acceptable third receiver in this league. And so that's it. Like, their wide receivers are good enough. They have far more pressing needs at other places. Uh, I don't see any way that Juju comes back. Uh, James Conner could come back if he's willing to take a very uh, team-friendly deal. I don't know what the market for him is going to look like. I'm, I'm a lot less sure about that. I feel pretty sure that Juju's going to get a big contract. I'm not sure that Conner will, so maybe if he's willing to come back on a, on a kind of like a one-year, uh, very team-friendly deal, maybe that would be something they'd be interested in. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think there's any way he comes back. Do you think, uh, and, and you kind of mentioned, right, so Juju, obviously, uh, do you think he was disappointing in, in Pittsburgh? Because obviously they get rid of A.B. Antonio Brown, who was one of the best receivers, maybe the best receiver in the league at one point in time, particularly when he was in Pittsburgh. And then, you know, Juju was kind of that second guy, and it seemed like Juju never kind of ushered into that tier, I guess, people were hoping he would be in terms of wide receiver. Do you think there's a little bit of a uh, disappointment there? Hmm, I mean, if yeah, a little bit. I don't think, you know, the, the very interesting thing about that to me is that the Steelers never treated Juju like he was a number one receiver in their game plan. If you look at his, you know, yards per target and, and, and that kind of thing, it's generally pretty good. But, you know, he was never a receiver that got forced at the ball 13 times a game. Never at any point in his career. Like, he was a clear second fiddle to Antonio Brown. And then after that, he was just one of the guys. You know, like they had a bunch of receivers. They threw the ball to all of them. They threw the ball to tight end a lot. They threw the ball to running back a lot. It, it wasn't – he was never uh, really made to be the focal point of the offense. And so I don't think his numbers uh, really reflect his talent level. Um, and I think if somebody takes him and somebody does make him the focal point of an offense – He'll be very good. He was also hurt a lot uh, in 2019. He had this whole series of nagging injuries that really kept him from ever being healthy. And you know, then I, you know, 2020, it was a very crowded receiving core. They had a lot of talented players, and they also didn't throw the ball down the field at all, which is, I think, more about Ben Roethlisberger than it is about the receivers. I don't think he was comfortable taking seven-step drops and holding on to the ball for four or five seconds and taking big hits to make plays. He wanted the ball out quickly, and that's what they did. But I think that, that held down the stats of every receiver individually, especially someone as talented as Juju who can kind of make all the plays. You know, I always said he's always open because he's so big and so strong that it doesn't really matter who's covering him. Just throw the ball up there and he can go get it. And uh, I think that's – why he's going to be paid a lot of money this offseason because somebody sees the number one receiver in him and you know certainly uh he's capable of being that even though he never was really in pittsburgh so you think he can be a number one receiver for an nfl team i, I do i think he's he's got the physicality he, he's a great route runner he's really good in the air i don't know what else you would really want i mean is he is he one of the very best receivers in the league? Uh, no, probably not. You know, he, he's not uh, th that straight line fast where you have to worry about him just blowing by you. But I think as 
you know, more, you know, more and more teams are doing different things with guys in the slot, and and he he's a really versatile receiver, and, and I think he's really good. I, I don't I don't see any reason that he can't be somebody's number one receiver. So is Claypool going to be the number one receiver for this team next year? I expect them to continue not having a one, number one receiver. I mean, they like Claypool a lot, and, and he's another guy. that That's the other kind of thing you're talking about. A reason why Juju might not come back is that they got the same guy coming in Chase Claypool. I mean, it's another big physical receiver. Claypool's even faster, uh, maybe not quite as strong, but faster than Juju. And so it's, it's a bit of a, uh, a repetition of skill sets. Deontay Johnson is, is more that AB guy. You know, he's shifty and quick and in and out of his cuts very nicely. And I think that's, that's their starters pretty clearly. I don't know if one of them's a number one. I, I, I don't think so. I think they'll keep sharing the ball and they really like Eric Ebron at the tight end spot. Um, he's had some trouble with some drops, but he's been very productive as well. And so I think that's, yeah, I don't see one guy again. I don't see one guy getting the ball forced fed to him. Do you think, and I think it's really interesting when we look at this, the Steelers, right? And you mentioned all the receivers, right? You have James Washington, uh, Deontay Johnson. They drafted Juju. There's Claypool, even back to Antonio Brown, uh, uh, Brian, Martavius Bryant, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. What do you think this is about them to where they're able to draft so many good guys at the receiver position? Or do you think, or it's maybe just development? Like, like, what, what do you think it is about them that they're able to just consistently have guys that come through their system that are really good wide receivers? Well, I think there's a couple things. One is that they they gave themselves a lot of opportunities, right? I mean, they drafted uh, Antonio Brown, and the, or they drafted Mike Wallace and Emmanuel Sanders, and then they were like, okay, well, we're going to let those guys go because we drafted Antonio Brown. And then we're going to let him go because we drafted Juju. And we're going to let jo- Juju go because we drafted Chase Claypool, right? Like, they, they never they never paid a wide receiver big money to lock him up for 10 years. They never did it. And so, you know, how, I don't know where they, they rank. You have to look it up. But over that time period, I bet they're right up there in terms of how many wide receivers teams have drafted in, in that time period. They're, they're up there. They draft a lot of them. Uh, because they kept, and the other thing is, you know, they have Ben Roethlisberger. He makes a lot of wide receivers look really good. Uh, you know, part of having a good receiver is having a good quarterback throwing him the ball. Not all of those guys have gone elsewhere and been great. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to see if that continues now as they move. You know, I think clearly whether Ben Roethlisberger plays next year or not, he's not the same guy he was before. As they move into whatever happens next, are they going to? continue to be able to seemingly go get a wide receiver in the draft whenever they want and have them turn out to be a stud. You know, like they're going to take one this year, probably. They need to replace Juju. It won't be high in the draft. It'll probably be in that fourth, fifth, sixth round. If they go and get another guy who turns out to be really great, now with Ben Roethlisberger clearly on the decline, yeah, I think we may be on to something. I think they probably are on to something in general. I don't know what it is, but it's very interesting. They've actually been really poor at drafting, like, cornerbacks, for example. Uh, they had to go out and get Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson, both their starters, because they tried over and over again to draft a cornerback to turn into a starter, and they weren't able to do it. Um, and so, 
I don't know. Maybe that's just one of the things they're really good at scouting. It's very interesting uh, the way that's worked out. But they clearly have an aptitude, and I think they've had an environment that's allowed those young players to be successful. Where do you think Big Ben ranks right now in terms of quarterbacks in the NFL? Like, if we're to give it, like, just, you know, just a round. Like, like would you say, is he borderline top 10, closer to top 20? Like, where do you think Ben actually is in terms of, you know, all the quarterbacks in the NFL? Like, I think he's a, a bottom third starting quarterback. Like, somewhere in the 20s. Um, you know... The, the numbers weren't good uh, this year, and he's 38. So I don't know. You know, if you have a guy who's in his second year who was in that position, if you had two in that position with the same number, if he was young, maybe he's going to get better. Nobody thinks Ben Roethlisberger is going to get better, and the team around him is likely to get worse. And so I think the combination of a pretty pedestrian year statistically with the fact that he's going to be 39 and you know, clearly trending downhill. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's... I wouldn't put him in the top 20. In terms of the division, he's third, right? Or maybe he's fourth then, because Joe Burrow... I mean, I, I think fourth. Fourth? Fourth. Okay, so whoever Cincinnati tries out their opening week, because I'm assuming it's not going to be... I think Joe Burrow is. Joe, okay. I think Joe Burrow is a, is a very promising young quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they have... That offensive line, woof. Uh, they, they, you know, the Steelers played that game in Cincinnati and they lost it uh, playing against Ryan Finley or something. It was just running for his life the entire game. I don't, sort of like Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Just, I don't know how they won the game, mostly because he just ran away from everybody. Um, but, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I, think, I think Joe Burrow is the real deal and I think he's going to turn out to be a pretty good player for Cincinnati. So, yeah, I mean, if you ask me... So, like, if I could redraft those four quarterbacks for my team for next year, definitely taking the other three guys before I take Ben. If you were to rank them, how would it go? So, who's one? That's a really hard question to answer. They're so different. Um, I think it honestly really matters a lot about the team that you're going to put around them. Like, what Lamar Jackson has done with the Baltimore Ravens, he would not be able to do with every team because not every team would be willing to make him so much a part of their offense, both throwing and running, and really completely change the way they do things in order to uh, in, order, in order to fit his skill set the best. So, like, to, to put a player in the Steelers' offense, to play next year, I think I'd probably pick Burrow because he fits what Ben Roethlisberger was the best of those three guys. You know, he's that you know, tall, kind of field general, gunslinger quarterback that's just going to stand back there uh, and make all the throws. Um, I think Baker Mayfield is a really talented player, um, but I think he's been best when the Browns have asked him to do less, not more. And the Steelers rely on their quarterback really heavily. So I, I really think they're very different players, and they, they fit into their teams really well, but really differently. Um, I, I'd have a hard time passing. For me personally, I would have a hard time passing up the things you can do with Lamar Jackson that you 
just can't do with literally anyone else. To me, I think that is such an advantage. And if you, if he had better receivers, and he'd probably be a little bit more dangerous. But I just think when you have a guy that can do things that literally nobody else can do, that's a pretty huge advantage. So I'd probably take him first. Uh, and then really just depending on what, what the team needs were. Uh, I, I think I think Mayfield is, is a very capable player. But I think most teams in the NFL, most schemes, Cleveland, again, runs a very run-heavy play-action pass kind of system uh, where Burrow is doing more of what most NFL teams are asking their quarterbacks to do. I don't know. I, I think it'd probably be that order. It sounds Jackson, like... Mayfield, Burrow, Ben, but... Uh, it would really depend on what the team I had around me was looking for because it could be very different uh, depending on what it was. It sounds like in five years you won't be shocked if Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in that division. I would not be surprised if Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the division in two years. So when we look at Ben Screen, I think this is interesting because, right, you see Tom Brady, he's won his seventh Super Bowl, right? It looks like Drew Brees is going to retire. Phillip Rivers just announced he's going to retire. Eli Manning. Just in terms of that... Of all those guys, like you'd probably put Peyton in there, where do you think Ben ranks in terms of just quarterbacks of his generation? Because I think he's had a very interesting career. Well, where do you think Ben would rank? I think you have uh, three guys that were clearly, uh, throughout basically Ben's entire career, uh, his statistical superior, and those are Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees. I think after those three guys, you can at least make an argument that Ben is as good as anyone else. Uh, but I don't think he ever had the consistent high-level performance that those guys put up year in and year out. Um, and, and I don't think, just from a pure passing ability standpoint, uh, he measures up to those guys either. Uh, and so I, I would say he's about fourth in, in his generation. Like, I think... I think his, his numbers and his success compare favorably to an Eli Manning or Philip Rivers or even an Aaron Rodgers who's a good bit younger, but, but still generally of that era. But I think clearly behind those those three who are probably the top three in NFL history, really. I mean, I, there's really nobody that's ever done it as good as those three guys that just happen to be doing it at the same time. Is Big Ben the best quarterback in Steelers history? Yeah, I mean, I'm not old enough to have watched Terry Bradshaw play, but I think so. I mean, I, I think it's really hard. You know, I, I, people ask this question to me all the time about different things. Like, is the, and you know, like my answer is generally always that, like, if it's close, if you think it's close, then the guy playing now is the best. Because when we look at sports where uh, it's not a team sport, it's an individual sport, like, the fastest guy in 100 meters in 1975 is like a scrub at a D2 college right now. <laughs> right? That is so, so true. So, like, the fastest guy in human history in 1975 is, like, out here, like, running for Youngstown State, maybe. Okay, so, like, like if we assume that that athletic advancement has been roughly the same in, across all athletic fields and not just places where, like, you know, it's, it's, it's an athlete against the clock, but athlete against an athlete, then every NFL player in the league right now is better than every NFL player that ever played before, like, 1980. And, and, and so, like, I generally think those kind of, like, over-generation 
comparisons are pretty difficult to make. And if it's even close, the right answer is that the the modern player is the best. Yeah, because it's really interesting. Like, for example, like if you put Lamar Jackson, let's say you put Lamar Jackson in the NFL in the 70s. Well, like, what do you think would happen if you just dropped them in? <laughs> well, I don't know. See, that's like, you can put, I don't know. I think that would have been some stubborn offensive coordinator that would have, like, made him stand in the pocket and throw, like, checkdowns or something. I don't know. It's gonna have, like, that's like, Cordell Stewart has been in the news in Pittsburgh this week because he, he wrote a big uh, thing in the Players' Tribune um, about some significant mistreatment that he got from the media and the fan base during his time in Pittsburgh. But it's been kind of said that that was a guy that was pretty far ahead of his time. And even when he was playing in the early 90s, or I'm sorry, the late 90s and the early 2000s, he wasn't really given the ability to do a lot of the things that, that you know, uh, a Pat Mahomes or a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson is allowed to do now. And so I'm not sure that the, there would have been coaches that would have been forward-thinking enough if you put Lamar Jackson in the side. That would have made him a wide receiver. That's what that had done with him. That would have played him a wide receiver. Um, because I, I don't think they would have uh, taken full use of his abilities. And uh, I'll be perfectly honest, I think race is a big part of it. I, I don't think there were teams in the 1970s that would have seen a black man as a quarterback. That would have been like, oh, you're real fast, and, and uh, yeah, you go over there. Go, go, go talk to wide receivers coach. I, I don't think that became a viable option for several decades later. I mean, even a guy like Randall Cunningham in Philadelphia, I guess, was kind of a, a groundbreaker in, in that regard. But it wasn't even really until like like Mike Vick with the Eagle uh, with the with the Falcons and the Eagles, where a team was like, "Yeah, okay, we're gonna have this quarterback who's just a crazy good athlete and also happens to be a quarterback, and we're gonna let him do all the things he's capable of doing, and not just make him be uh, the play the same position that everybody's always played." So. I'm not sure what Lamar Jackson would have done back then, but he'd have been a really good wide receiver because he's a crazy athlete, and I'm sure uh, every bit as good as the athletes uh, back then, if not better. So when you look back at the Killer Bees, when you had Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, do you ever kind of look back and be like, man, like they, they kind of wasted an opportunity there? Because the way it all ended was kind of ugly with you know how it all ended with AB kind of just, losing his mind to Le'Veon Bell, just not playing, I think, the last year, and then the contract dispute. Do did, did, did you think that there was just a missed opportunity there? I think the very um, understated part of that is that they played in, in those seasons where they had you know, Bell, Ben, and, and A.B. all together. They had the three of them together in healthy in the playoffs, I think, one year. And that uh, Bell was hurt a couple times. Brown was hurt. Uh, they had a bunch of stretches where one of them was suspended for whatever reason. Um, they didn't have – like, they had the talent on the roster all the time together, but they did not have them on the field all the time together. And then the one year that they did in 2017 – is the year that you know Ryan Shazier suffers that you know horrific injury in Cincinnati right before the playoffs, and they go out and they give up 45 points to Jacksonville Jaguars in the in the first round, and they lose. Um, so, like, I don't think you can put going out there 
and scoring 42 in the first round and losing on those three guys that are part of the offense. But, yeah, I mean, I think you, it, it's hard to say that it's not a, a missed opportunity when you have arguably what may probably a top five player each position in the league at, at that time and, may, and maybe a top two running back and wide receiver. And to not get, you know, to not get farther than losing once in the AFC Championship game during that time, absolutely that's disappointing. But when you look at it at a granular level, like, there's not a lot of those games where you can sit there and say, well, like, like the offense is the reason, like, those three guys are the reason they didn't win this game, or the reason they didn't advance this time, because they either weren't available or it wasn't them that was letting them down. Do you think there's any way that they could have salvaged it and kept it together a little bit longer? Or, or do you think when it was done, it was done? I think they could have done things different with Le'Veon Bell from a contract position. And, and I think that was really the whole issue there, is that he he just wanted a contract. And, you know, they offered him the, the franchise tag for a second year. And I think when he made it clear that he wasn't going to sign that, I think the biggest issue there was there was no communication between the sides. The Steelers offered Le'Veon Bell a second franchise tender, and they expected him to sign it. And he did not sign it until it was too late for them to do anything else. And then he was screwing them, and they were screwing him. And then it got ugly. You know, but if there had been better communication. I think from Bell's side, and honestly, I think he entered the offseason probably willing to sign that franchise tag, and then he saw some of the contracts that some other guys got. That was the offseason. Todd Gurley got that big contract, and I think he's, I want that money. You know, I, and so I think things kind of changed in the middle there, and I think that's what upset the apple cart, where I think the Steelers were under the impression that he was going to sign that franchise tender and they would have had another year with with the three of them together, and then they end up not. In 2018, they don't have them, and they miss the playoffs by half a game, uh, playing with James Conner instead of Le'Veon Bell. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, could, could that have been done differently? Yeah, I'm not sure it's necessarily on the Steelers, but uh, certainly with, with Antonio Brown, I mean, I think it was clearly just an unstable individual that, um, you know, listen, I don't want to put it all on AB, but the team's culture was only strong enough to deal with that for so long. And I think every team has a different level of what they're able to absorb. Um, you know, if you have a team full of 15-year vets that know their job, they know their role, they know everything, you could probably bring in the craziest guy in the history of the league and he'd be okay for a season or two. But if you don't have that type of stable leadership at every position, you don't have that much experience in the locker room, I think having someone like that starts to become an untenable situation. And then when you have you know, a guy who's going to walk out of practice a week before a must-win game at the end of the regular season, uh, I think you can't have him on your team anymore. 
In terms of Mike Tomlin, so with his tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers, two Super Bowl appearances, multiple AFC Championship game appearances, and a Super Bowl trophy. But it also seems like there's just people that want more from Mike Tomlin. What do you think he is with the Steelers? Like, because I remember, like, I think it might have been the year with uh, when Le'Veon didn't play and AAB was kind of losing a little bit. They were, they, they might have been the nine and seven year, the eight eight year, I forget. But people were kind of like, oh, do they need a change? Where do you think it's at with Mike Tomlin? I mean, I think Mike Tomlin is one of the very best coaches in the league. I think he gets the most out of his players. I think a lot of the Steelers' uh, quote-unquote draft success is, is actually largely to do with the fact that Mike Tomlin, um, he, he's really good at, at you know, making guys better players than they would. You know, it's not a scouting success. It's a development success, I think, a lot of the times. They have a lot of success with undrafted players. Who, who've become starters and pro bowlers for him, uh, the, the, at a level that is just sort of unheard of around the league. Uh, I think he does not step on his offense's toes. He's a defensive-minded coach. He's going to kind of let those guys do their thing. When he had Bruce Arians there, I think that worked really well. I don't think the last two offensive coordinator hires have worked out as well, and, and Todd Haley and Randy Fickner. And I think that's caused a significant amount of the, the downturn uh, in that time period. And, and yeah, I think you, could, you know, that's a, a mark against him that I don't think his coaching hires have been, his assistant coaching hires have been particularly inspired. He's not had a full, an assistant coach that he hired go on to become a head coach anywhere else. Uh, Bruce Arians, he inherited. Uh, and, He's not a particular. He's not particularly been a good game day coach. Although I say that he has gotten much better as the years have gone on. But especially earlier in his career, he was not a particularly good coach when it came to when to use a challenge, when to call timeouts, force down strategy, field goal versus touchdown, that kind of thing. Generally, got a lot of that stuff wrong. But on the whole, I think he's been one of the best overall coaches in the NFL in his time in Pittsburgh. There are very few teams in the league that I would think would be like, no, we like our guy. We wouldn't want Mike Tomlin. Um, I, I, very few. And so uh, it, it leads to this sort of weird dynamic where I think everyone in Pittsburgh recognizes that he's a really good coach, but they're also unsatisfied with the fact that it's been 10 years since I've been to the Super Bowl and it's been, 12 years since they won one in, in Pittsburgh. That is the standard that you're held to. As Mike Tomlin loves to say, the standard is the standard. And if you fail to reach that standard, people are going to be dissatisfied. I don't think there's a realistic thought that they could fire him. But I do think there's a realistic question as to how much longer he wants to continue to do this. You know, he's been in the NFL for 13 years um, as a head coach. And, and I don't, I'm sorry, 14 years, 14 years. And I don't, I've never gotten the sense from talking to him that he's, he's a lifer for the, for the coaching role. You know, I, I don't, I don't get the idea that he's be doing this till he's 72. He's still a relatively young guy. Um, but I, I'm not sure that, that he's going to want to be the head coach of the Steelers for another decade or anything like that. And so I think as the team, enters what appears to be a pretty significant transition here uh, with Ben Roethlisberger's time ending. 
I think Mike Tomlin's going to have to make a decision as to whether he wants to be a coach of a rebuilding team, whether he wants to go through that. And if he does, then they'll have him. And if he doesn't, then, then they'll probably move on. Alan, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. And once again, I want to thank Alan for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, really appreciate him spending some time out of his very busy schedule to come on the pod, talk some Steelers football, Big Ben, and a lot of other uh, AF, some, some little AFC North tidbits and information. Just so everybody knows, on the next podcast, I'm going to have Scotty Johnson on, and we're going to delve into NBA All-Star Weekend, give our NBA All-Star teams for the East and the West. So me and Scotty are going to do that. So that's what's on the agenda for Wednesday. And for the Friday podcast, I'm still figuring that out. But... Guess when you'll know uh, when I tell you guys. So thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode, the 260th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.